everyone. Welcome to the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Sorensen, mother, grandmother, former teacher, and currently supporting parents who want to understand their children's behavior at a deeper level. This is where we talk about changing our perception and limiting beliefs around behavior to a more conscious approach to understanding ourselves, each other, and our most vulnerable population, our children. I share my self-discovery journey and what I've learned along the way and what I'm currently discovering as I continue evolving on this journey. My hope is that as we become more conscious of how we show up for ourselves, our children, and others, that we'll discover the beauty that lies within us all. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello, everybody, and welcome. So I woke up the other morning with this thought, we don't value ourselves. And I I don't even remember if it was a thought that woke me up or if I woke up and then this thought just popped into my head. But but there it was. It and it was saying we don't value ourselves. And I know this has been true for me over the course of my life and not that I consciously thought, oh, I don't value myself. Of course I didn't. Um, That just came to me the other morning, but it comes out in so many different ways. And I continue to um, strive to honor and value myself um, and just becoming aware of how as a society we get here. We, we get to all of these coping skills that we have um, to get us through. And so I woke up with this thought the other morning of we don't value our, we don't value ourselves. We were taught to value others. We were taught and conditioned to look at the external, to please others, to, to control the other. Um, and the thing is, if we don't value ourselves, we can't truly value others. It's just like respect. There must be an element of self-respect to respect another. Otherwise, it's just pleasing. We please others to gain approval and love. And when we please, we we give up ourselves. We give up a piece of ourselves in order to please others, in order to have approval. And we don't value ourselves when we say yes to others when we really want to say no. We don't value ourselves when we don't put ourselves on our to-do list. We don't value ourselves when we dress for others rather than dressing for ourselves, when we starve ourselves to look thin or deny ourselves um, the piece of cake or a cookie when we deny ourselves these things we often then overindulge in them and then we we beat ourselves up in our head like oh my gosh I can't believe I did that again why do I do that I'm such an idiot and on and on we go in this shame spiral we often reward ourselves with an indulgence and then we feel guilty about it right? We don't deserve it. Or, or we beat ourselves up after the reward, like, oh, you know, I should be 
doing something else. I should be doing for another. So we don't value ourselves when we play super mom to gain approval of a society that says, do more, be more, and do it all with a smile, right? We become exhausted and overwhelmed as we hustle to gain the gold stars that society promises for being a good mother. And I think we obsess with being good and doing everything right. We, we strive to be the good mother, the good teacher, the good daughter, the good whatever it is, and just, just to be good, which actually means to please. We will please everyone and do everything right, so we will be accepted, will be approved of, will be validated. And really to be good means to be selfless. And we tend to revere selflessness in our society. And again, selflessness we do often to gain approval and the gold stars. Um, selfless really means to please. If, if we're being selfless to gain approval, that's being selfish. We often think of selfish as doing things for ourselves, honoring ourselves. Um, and then we feel that guilt because it's like, we're not supposed to do that. I should be doing something for somebody else. So I think we give up ourselves, and we, we become selfless to gain that approval. And really when, when we look at it like that, that's what's selfish because we become exhausted and overwhelmed and we cannot give the best of ourselves when we are chasing those gold stars, when we're doing, 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 doing to be enough. We, we, we become dependent on pleasing others to be okay in the world. And we also play the role of rescuer. We're rescuing others to gain value. Because if I figure out your problem and fix it for you, I gain value. And this creates a couple of problems. One, we need a victim to rescue, so others need to be less than, so I can rescue them and feel better about myself. And two, rescuing, if I rescue you from your problems, it keeps me from looking at my own issues. So this is not valuing myself or others. It's pleasing to find value. So we end up both stuck in in this drama-driven life. And why do we think valuing others more than ourselves is such a grand gesture? To not value ourselves means we can't truly value others. We can only value others to the extent that we value ourselves. And we need to become clear on this because we need to become aware of it. That when we please others to be valued, we are using them for our gain. And that's manipulation. And we learn to manipulate to get our needs met. We learn to manipulate to survive emotionally. 
So if I please you, then you appreciate me, right? You appreciate, you show your appreciation to me for a job well done, whether that's through praise or, or whatever. I take care of you, you appreciate me, and this is how we gain value. And this is codependence. My value depends on you telling me in some way that I have value. And for you to tell me I have value, I have to please you to prove it. And so it's this cycle. And it works in reverse as well. You have to please me so I will approve of you and that I appreciate you and tell you in whatever way that you have value. And so we're dependent on each other to be enough, to have worth, to have value. And we're inherently worthy. We don't have to please improve our worth, but we live in a society that values conformity. We're conditioned to please to gain compliance. And we're taught as young children to do, to do it the adult's way, or you'll be, you'll be punished. In other words, do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it or something painful will happen to you. And as children, we're punished for making mistakes and we're trained very young to please others, to find value in pleasing the other and devaluing ourselves. And each time we're punished, really that means being diminished, being put down, being devalued. And we lose a piece of our authentic self. And we try so desperately to survive emotionally. You know, we conform, we fall into line. Losing value for ourselves and finding value in pleasing those around us in exchange for approval and acceptance and love. And this is conditional love. This isn't love based on who we innately are. This is love based on what we do. To be loved means to do everything right. Which, on the contrary, being wrong then means to not be loved. Not to be accepted. So in this way, wrong means rejected. You're wrong. Push the reject button. And we become so obsessed with being right that I've heard people say, well, I have to be right to be happy. I mean, they kind of joke about it, but I think deep down, that's how we feel. I need to be right to be happy. And yeah, because if being wrong means I'm rejected, I'm somehow flawed, we have to be right to emotionally survive. So I think what we're really saying is, I have to be right to be loved, to be accepted. And as humans, we're wired for connection. We cannot survive without human-to-human connection. So if being wrong means to be rejected, we literally have the need to be right to survive. And this is where perfectionism is born. And perfectionism, as Brene Brown puts it, is the ultimate betrayal of self. It's the devaluing of self. And we don't, you know, we don't think we're, we're not conscious that we don't value ourselves. I mean, we're not living our lives. I mean, we are living our lives on autopilot, but we're not, 
going around consciously pleasing people. This is all done subconsciously. And that's why I love having these conversations. So we can kind of wake up to how we've been conditioned and change that paradigm when we see it, that it's not serving us. So we can change these, be, these patterns of behavior for ourselves and for future generations. And this may have all, this, it may have served us at some time in our history, but it's not serving us now in our modern day world. So my point is, I believe we need to change this paradigm. And that's what I'm passionate about. We cannot create a life we truly want to live if we believe our only value is pleasing others or if others please us or or if we don't um, come to the awareness of our own behavior patterns. If I have to depend on you to know I have value, then I'm not in control of my life. I'm not living a life necessarily that I... Um, want to create that soul driven that's aligned with how I truly want to feel and what I can contribute to the world. It often is I'm living a a life based on generational behavior patterns and I'm living a life based on what I what is approved of. And so we we tend to live a life um, based on others' expectations and not our own. And I remember being at a conference, a conscious discipline conference, um, a while a few years ago, and I was doing an exercise with Dr. Bailey, and she asked me who's if I was living. Um, my life based on others' expectations or my own. And she suggested that I live my life based on my expectations. And it took me a while to really understand, though, that my expectations were based on societal um, uh, approval. Um, the, the, The... uh, societal expectations. And so really my own expectations weren't even my own. They were conditioned um, and and took me, I mean, and I'm still working on this, but it took me a while to really understand because I thought, well, my own expectations are really quite unrealistic um, because I am a recovering perfectionist. And um, so I was thinking, you know, not even my own expectations are realistic. But then, you know, as I've continued to do this work and dig deeper, I've realized that they really weren't my expectations. They were others' expectations. I, um, I internalized them as my own. So I'm... St- you know, I'm still, I'm continuing to uncover really my authenticity and what are truly my expectations. 
And really, I think we have to uncover what are our needs and our wants. What are our desires? What do what what do I what drives me? What do I truly want in life? How do I want to feel? How how can I live in alignment with my higher self? I think we have to figure that out before we can really know what our expectations are. And if these are truly my expectations or are they built-in expectations um, of our society. So I think we often depend on our children too to come to know our value, which is really kind of crazy if we we think this through. It's like I'm depending on my three-year-old to please me in order for me to feel valued. So if they don't do what I say or we we say if they're not listening to me, then I'm a bad parent. Or if they're throwing fits, I'm a bad parent. I must be doing it wrong. And again, in our society, wrong means less than. So in that way, we're depending on our children to bring us worth. And I know that as I look back on my parenting journey, um, I totally did that. And it's a tremendous, tremendous pressure on children to be a good child to make the adults happy so that, so that the adults feel worthy. We're depending on children to, for our worthiness. And I think that's what today's society too is in, you know, we push our children and push our children to higher and higher and higher standards um, to be extraordinary, I mean, to be ordinary isn't enough. It, it has to be extraordinary and for ourselves too. And I just, the bar keeps getting put higher and higher. And, you know, we're dependent on our external um, uh, performance to gain value. We're we look to the external to say if I'm worthy or not. And here's the problem. We value control. We don't value ourselves. We value proving ourselves through control. It's like if I can control my child, make them behave, then I have value. And in this way, we are not showing value for our children. We are not valuing our children. We are valuing controlling them because their compliance says, I'm okay. I'm enough. And that comforts me. And I feel safe when my children are compliant, right? Because then we're not going to be judged as the bad parent. So I feel safe when my children are compliant when they are listening when they are doing all the things I want them to do and the problem with this is is that we feel safe when they comply but they do not feel safe we're we're now repeating the same pattern we experience as children trading our need to feel enough for our children's need to feel safe accepted and loved and and this comes in moments and again it's totally unconscious it's it's not like we're we're 
terrible people. And I'm not trying to paint a doom and gloom here. This might sound really negative and I don't mean mean it to be that way, but I do want to bring awareness to it and, and speak the truth. We feel adequate as parents when our children are compliant. <clears throat> and when they're not, we are triggered. And why, why are we triggered? Because they have pushed the unworthiness button. When we feel not enough or inadequate, unworthy, we lose it, right? We all lose it at times. And those are the times we unconsciously feel unworthy. We feel that, that somehow um, that we're wrong and that being wrong triggers us. Um, so anyway, we project this fear onto our children unconsciously in a split moment and then we feel guilty. So then we try and make up for it by being the good mom and or the good parent. And we switch to back to them to pleasing our children, gaining back their love. And this is why so many of us have this passive aggressive flip-flop where at times we are pleasing our children you know, we're actually, and actually when we're, we're, we're trying to be nice, but we're manipulating our children to get them to go along with us. Um, but it's in a passive way. So it's like, get ready for bed. Okay. Are you, um, ready to pick up the toys? It's time to pick up. Okay. Can you hold my hand? And so basically we're asking children to comply because we think, well, this is the nice way to do it. And if I'm nice to them, then they will be nice back to me. And when they aren't, our worthiness button is pushed. And our unworthy, maybe we should call it the unworthiness button, is pushed. And we flip. And now it's you better listen or else. Um, we lose it to, to protect ourselves. It's a coping skill. Um, and then we feel guilty. Then the whole cycle starts again. Um, and... This is a prime example of how our actions are not valuing ourselves, and they're not valuing our children. And even though it's just a moment, overall those moments happen because we don't value ourselves. We value compliance and control to prove ourselves. And and here's the thing with with value, with what we value, the. The way to understand and, and become more aware of what we actually value versus what we say we value is by our actions. Because we all, we talk, you know, we have these values that we profess, that we talk about. But oftentimes our actions are not um, syncing up with what we're saying. And so that's the whole you know, do as I say, not as I do trap that we fall into. So what happens is, is that we have 
you know, we have these values that, that we talk about and usually there are things like compassion and kindness and respect, responsibility or whatever they are for you. And we do model those. Um, we embody those when things are going well, right? When the world's working out the way we want it to. But what happens when things aren't going well or our child isn't doing what we want them to, we end up acting out a different set of values. And those are the values that our children are picking up. They're like unconscious values that we are acting out. And we're not trying to model these. We don't, we don't accept them as our values, but because we, that it's, it is what we're doing, we're acting them out. Um, our actions is saying, this is what I value. And so for instance, say like, uh, two children are having a disagreement or one, say one child hits the other child. How do you react? Do you react with compassion to the child who got hurt or do you usually go first to the aggressor and let them know they may not do that or you know in some way get them to stop or or give them the message that you may not be doing this um and so the point here is in what i learned um, this was a really hard habit for me to break that I, when I was working with children, when I was teaching in the classroom and I learned about this and to become aware of what my reaction is in that instance, I always went to the aggressor first, I always went to the aggressor. And it was like, you know, it wasn't like I was being aggressive with that child, but we, it shows that we value aggression over compassion because you know we want payback we want consequence right and we use consequence as kind of a, a punishment or a payback and you know because it's our fear it's our fear that oh my gosh you know they think they can hit that person to get their way and we need to put an end to that and um and especially if it's our own children because then some of the thoughts in our head is, oh my gosh, you know, my child is not going to be hitting other children. My child isn't going to be the bully. And so essentially we project our fear onto them and use aggression to stop aggression, and which doesn't work because aggression invites more aggression. So this is one small shift you can just be aware of. Um, and when that's happening to go to the child who's been hurt, um, but not going to that child in a way that diminishes the other child either, because I think that's something that we can get, can unconsciously do too. We can go to the other person and be like, oh, um, they hit you. Are you okay? That was so mean. They shouldn't do that or, you know, whatever. Um, and kind of diminishing one child to another child, which does not teach compassion that actually teaches that if people aren't doing treating you in a way that is okay with you then you can diminish them which is not helpful in teaching children 
or ourselves how to be in relationships where we value ourselves and we value the other person. That comes through compassion. And that is how we build healthy relationships. And I think it's hard to think of, or maybe it's uncomfortable to think about using compassion in a situation where aggression was used. Because I think we see, whether we're conscious of this or not, I think we see compassion as weak and aggression as strong as, you know, so, so we essentially, we value power and control. And so we, in that situation where one child is using power to control the situation, to power over another child, we come in and we power over the child then too, to gain control of the situation. So, you know, if you really start thinking about it that way, it really doesn't make sense. And I mean, I could do a whole, I could probably, I could do a whole episode just on this topic. So I'm not going to go deep into this, but if we can show compassion to the child who was hurt and and empower them um, by helping them be assertive and letting to the, tell the other child, you know, I don't like that if you want the toy, then ask me for a turn, you know, and that, that takes, that takes time. But anyway, just showing compassion to the child who got hurt, you got hit on the arm, that must have hurt. And then we turn to the, uh, the aggressor and we also give compassion to them because that was the best they could do in that moment. That's all they knew to do to get their needs met. And so we can just acknowledge that you wanted the toy and you didn't know what else to do. So you hit them. And then we set the limit. You may not hit. Hitting hurts. When you want the toy, say, can I have a turn, please? And then we practice that. You try it. You say, can I have a turn, please? But in this way, we are valuing both children. We aren't just valuing a child who does everything right you know, we tend to devalue children and we're devalued ourselves when we make mistakes or things don't turn out the way we want them to. We beat ourselves up in our head. And when we do that, we will, however it is we talk to ourselves in our head, is how we will talk to our children um, during stressful times. So I just want to bring awareness to this because even though we may not be using physical aggression with children. We are sending the message of power over others. Um, when we go to the aggressor first and when we unconsciously model payback. Um, and because for children, they'll use their whole body to gain control over others. You know, we as adults... Um, use aggression a little bit differently. We use it through our voice tone, um, you know, the do it or else tone through our body language, through the look, um, meaning (laughs) if you don't do what I, if you don't change your behavior right now, you know, there's going to be pain to pay. So uh, just be aware and notice 
Are your actions modeling the value of compassion or are your actions valuing the power, valuing power, power over and control? And we say it's hard. It is so hard. And, and it is. And I know because using compassion in these situations doesn't feel natural. We actually really have to think about what we are doing and mindfully respond rather than react. So it is uncomfortable. It's like we don't like to slow down enough to be able to think before we act. And that's why it's so important to create a pause between the stimulus, which is the event or the situation, and our response. Because if we don't create that pause, we'll react. Um, So if we create a pause, we can mindfully respond and teach our children the values we want them to learn and, and how and this takes practice. It's a practice. It's, it's a lifestyle change. Um, and the other reason it's hard is because it's not how we talk to ourselves in our head, right? We don't, we don't talk usually compassionate to ourselves in our head. We're our own worst critic. And it's hard because we are hard on ourselves. So, so be aware of your self-talk. Listen to yourself. Listen to how you talk to yourself in your head. Are you valuing yourself in your head or are you diminishing yourself in your head? Because remember, we can only value others to the extent we value ourselves. So start valuing yourself. And what can you do to value yourself? Um, you can start to listen to yourself. And this is a practice that I do Every day too, um, I practice listening to myself um, because if we're exhausted, overwhelmed, and living in fear of not being enough, these are all signs that we're not valuing ourselves. So you can make small changes to start valuing yourself. Like um, start small, create some time and some space just for you. For you to just slow down. Maybe it's 10 minutes in the morning to slowly wake up to your day with your favorite cup of coffee or a favorite book. Or maybe it's to do some morning stretches. And maybe it's making time and space to prepare for the next day. Or do some meal planning or take a bubble bath. Whatever it is, to help you create more ease and flow in your life. That is the art of valuing ourselves. You are worthy. You are enough. And the only person you need to prove your value to is you. And when you do, everyone around you benefits. So what is one action you can take this week to start valuing yourself? One action you can take that you can keep repeating over and over each day, every day, something that values you. Because small, consistent action 
is what creates change in our life. All right, so I'm going to leave it with that and have a great week, everybody. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'm so very grateful for all of you who are showing up here with me because I believe subtle shifts create big impact. How we show up in our life, in our relationships, or our parenting impact our life, our children's lives, and the world. If you're ready to brave the wilderness of your beautiful soul, live life from the inside out, and create the life you want to live, head over to my website at diansorensen.net and get on my calendar to see if the Beauty and Behavior family is the right fit for you. I got you, and we'll talk again soon.